Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, and welcome to another Policy Forum pod. I'm Sharon Bessel. And I'm Martin Pierce. Martin, it's often said that there's nothing certain in life except for death and taxes. Today we're going to be talking about taxes. And of course, while taxation policy isn't always seen as the most exciting of issues to discuss, it's absolutely fundamental to being able to resource the kind of society that we want. And the topic for today's pod is the question of how we begin to start thinking about taxing automation, taxing um, artificial intelligence, taxing robots. Yeah, well, you know, Sharon, the idea of taxing robots sounds, I don't know, a bit out of this world, but it's actually got some fairly big names in favour of it. Just last year, Bill Gates of Microsoft fame said in an interview that he thought governments should tax companies' use of robots to slow down the speed of automation and to fund other types of employment. And one of the fundamental issues that lots of people are beginning to think about is how we think about taxation and what we tax in a context of rapidly changing employment. You know, as we think about the future of work and we think about the role that robots or automation have in that future, then we really do need to think about how we how we rethink our taxation systems. There are lots of really challenging questions here, and fortunately for us, Our guest today is the perfect person to answer some of these questions and to talk through some of the issues with us. So today we're going to be talking with Professor Roberta Mann from the University of Oregon. Roberta is an expert on all things relating to taxation law. She's a professor of business law and she's also worked for the US Joint Committee on Taxation and with the Office of the Chief Counsel of the Internal Revenue Service in Washington. So she has lots and lots of experience to bring to these issues. Yeah, absolutely. But before we get to the interview, a quick reminder that we would love to hear your thoughts on what we discussed today. You can find us on Twitter, where we are at Apps Policy Forum, or on Facebook, where we are Asia Pacific Policy Society. And Sharon, big news, you can also now find us on Spotify. Are you excited about that? This is wildly exciting. This is wildly exciting. We found out now that we are actually on Spotify. So I read somewhere this week that Spotify has somewhere in the region of 30 million audio tracks on it. So now it's got 30 million and 35. So if you thought that you'd got to the end, if you'd listened to everything that was possibly, you were possibly able to listen to on Spotify, no, there is still 30 35 more tracks for you to get through. Good news, huh? Fantastic news. All right, well, enough of these shameless self-promotion. Let's say hello to our guest. Professor Roberta Mann, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. 
So, Roberta, lots of issues for us to, to talk through today. And you've raised the issue of placing attacks on the work that robots do. But before we begin, can you just tell us a little about the kinds of work that robots are doing today and the type of work that they're likely to be doing in the future? Well, robots are not new. And of course, one of the questions really when you talk about taxing robots is what is a robot? And we think in popular culture about robots like R2-D2 that are cute little semi-humanoid type beings. But of course, robots are used in many, many industrial applications and have been used for years. The Tesla factory is building cars largely using robots. So robots have been used for many, many years. And really, you can think of automation generally when you're thinking about how robots should be taxed. Because from my perspective, the issue really is, are humans being displaced from their jobs? And if so, how are we going to help those humans? So robot taxation is really just an avenue to think about how to help humans. And it's not the only way. I mean, it could be argued that technological upheaval in the past has simply meant that, you know, some people lose their jobs while other people gain work as new industries open up. What makes today's era of automation any different? Well, there is definitely differences of opinion on that. And that's certainly true that automation has created many, many new industries. Although, as you point out, Martin, it has created structural displacement. So the people who lose their jobs as individuals are disadvantaged. But what the literature says is different about today is really the rise of machine learning. That machines can learn to cope with different situations. And in the past, automation has been a machine, has been programmed to do a certain task. And it does that certain task, but it's not able to adapt if circumstances change. And now with artificial intelligence and machine learning, which, which has been around for a while, you can think of Watson, who uh, played uh, Jeopardy and beat actually someone who worked for the Internal Revenue Service, Kent Jennings, who was very, very famously a great Jeopardy player. Um, machines are actually able to cope with situations they couldn't cope with before. So taking over some tasks that are evolving which is, I think, the new thing, and that's what people are concerned about. Although not everyone is concerned. There are some people who express the view that automation has always been with us, or at least since the Industrial Revolution, and it, it just creates new opportunities. So, Roberta, thinking about you know, this, this rise of machine learning, but also the, the very important point that you made um, about how do we support humans in this process of transformation. You know, I think about people like Guy Standing, um, who has argued that we need to be very concerned about the emergence of a precariat, um, a class of people whose life is extremely precarious, particularly because of the lack of job security or underemployment and whose, whose lives are shaped by vulnerability as a result of that. And I wonder to what extent the automation of work is helping to create um, or helping to speed up the creation of this class of people. 
Well, I think it's automation in part, but in part it's also societal change. In Sweden, they have job security councils. So Sweden has embraced automation, and it does cause job displacement. But their motto is, don't try to save jobs, try to support workers. So these job security councils are very interesting. They don't just retrain workers to go into jobs that are needed in the economy. They actually give the displaced workers personality inventories so that they can determine what jobs are best for them, and then they place them in those jobs. So it's a really humane and innovative way of dealing with this problem. But Sweden is a culture that uh, is has a really very much a collective view, and that's not true in every place. Like it's not true, for example, in the United States. So now let's assume, Roberta, that uh, a government decides to use taxation to slow down automata- mm-hmm. automation, as you're suggesting. I mean, how would that actually work in practice? Can you get robots to pay tax? First, let me clarify. I'm actually not suggesting that automation should be slowed down because I really don't think it should be slowed down. Um, But to answer your specific question, how do you tax? Well, you can't tax robots because uh, they don't have incomes. (laughs) You have to tax the owners of the robots. And what... uh, Bill Gates said in his interview, actually, he said, I don't think the robot companies are going to be outraged that there's a tax. It's okay. And Bill Gates did say he wanted to slow down automation. I don't know why he said that specifically. Certainly he's concerned about people who are displaced. But my view is we can help people who are displaced find work and still support automation. Roberta, do you see a taxation framework of this kind operating nationally within states, or do you see this as as an opportunity to think um, across state borders? And I'm thinking of old ideas around a Tobin tax, a tax that um, is international in nature. How would you see the detail of a taxation um, policy of this kind playing out? Is it is it within states, or do you see some global potential here? Well, I think it's always very difficult to uh, impose a tax that goes across borders. And certainly the EU has seen that with the discussions of the of a carbon tax. So I, I think there are sovereignty concerns with imposing a tax across borders, but I think it would be quite ambitious enough just to think about it as a national tax. And I don't think it has to be a tax on robots or even attacks on automation per se. The concern I have is this difference between taxing capital and taxing labor. So historically, capital has been taxed more lightly than labor. And many economists will say that's the right answer. In fact, many economists would say you shouldn't tax capital at all because capital is mobile. And so if you have a sort of tax base that can easily escape taxation, it's inefficient to use that tax base. So capital in the sense of equipment versus labor in the sense of people, the tax system in the U.S. primarily 
relies on the taxation of people. And people are taxed at higher rates than capital. But when it comes to automation and robots, well, robots are capital, but they're also labor. And so... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Oh, people are taxed because they provide labor. Robots are capital, so they're taxed more lightly, even though they're providing the same sort of labor that people provide. So that creates an incentive for companies, a tax incentive for companies to use automation rather than people. And quite frankly, they probably don't need an incentive because robots are probably much easier to deal with than people. Uh, Concerns around automation have led some people to advocate for the idea of a universal basic income. Uh, We've discussed that on the podcast before, in fact, with Guy Standing, Sharon, who you mentioned earlier. But opponents of the idea often say that a basic income would be prohibitively expensive. Is taxing robots one way to afford such a policy? Well, again, you can't actually tax robots, right? You have to tax the owners of the robots. But I think, really, Martin, you've hit on the key issue, which is if you're going to help people, you need revenue. And where do you get that revenue? And it probably doesn't matter that much where you get that revenue as long as you get it. You could tax capital more heavily. You could tax businesses more heavily. You could tax wealthy people more heavily. You could impose taxes on a different sort of base, which I know you do here in Australia, on consumption. So however you can raise that revenue, you could use that for the purpose of a universal basic income or other social purposes. Is that a name that you would like to see from the, the introduction of this kind of taxation? Well, I think that although the universal basic income certainly can be a part of the solution, I don't think it's a whole solution. And I've been reading literature on the psychology of working. And people need to work. They need to work for self-esteem They need to work for social connections. They need to work for self-actualization. And providing a basic, a universal basic income can foster entrepreneurship because it gives people a base. They can go on and take business risks that they might not be willing to take if they didn't have that backup income. But it doesn't provide actual work. And I think it would be good to use those revenues to provide work. And that could be provided either from government-created work. And in the 1940s, Franklin Delano Roosevelt started the Civilian Conservation Corps, which built lots of infrastructure, beautiful buildings in the United States, which are still here today. And that 
was a work program that gave people self-esteem, gave people something to do, and created beautiful infrastructure. Another potential would be to create incentives for businesses to hire people. As I may have mentioned, the way the tax system is structured now, at least in the United States, businesses have incentives not to hire people. They get a better tax result if they instead buy equipment, robots, automation. We could, re- we could flip that around and give incentives for businesses to hire people. So, Roberta, there there have been lots of developments around the use of robotics and artificial intelligence, some of which are seen as as very positive in terms of um, personalised healthcare, for example, um, the positive environmental impacts, uh, perhaps around safer transport, although the very sad incident just um, very recently with the the death of a pedestrian um, from a driverless car will, I'm sure, cause a lot of debate about the use of of, um, technology in that way. But on the other hand, we also see some worrying developments, um, and certainly the displacement of workers is one of those worrying developments. So I'm wondering whether you see the possibility of some kind of stratified taxation system where we try to make judgments around positive and negative impacts of the use of technology, um, taxing more heavily those negative elements and perhaps being a little lighter in terms of taxation on what we would consider to be positive. I would not advocate doing this stratified approach because I think it's very difficult to determine what types of automation are good and what types are bad. And I would be reluctant to have government making that decision. As you point out, there can be great environmental benefits, particularly from autonomous vehicles, self-driving vehicles. They can be more efficient. They can uh, reduce some of the jobs that maybe are not the best kind of jobs, Truck driving could be a good job, but it is a boring and tedious job, and frequently truck drivers do not get adequate rest from that. So I would really advocate not doing that stratified approach. Truck driving and autonomous vehicle driving generally really has made a lot of progress in the recent past. And technologically, it really is ready, but I think when you point out this accident that happened in Arizona and also concerns about trucks, what's going to hold it up really, I think, is not so much the job displacement, although that's a concern. I think what's going to hold it up are legal issues, and that's going to come out of this accident. Um, So legal and societal issues is what's going to be holding up this automation, not so much concerns about job loss. Finally, Roberta, how likely do you think it is that governments will start the kind of taxation that you're talking about here in the near future? Are we already starting to see some movement on this issue? I don't think we are. I don't think we really are. I think it's it's a it's a good discussion and I think it's an important discussion about job displacement. But it is something that has certainly been a concern in the past. Uh, John F. Kennedy in the 1960s talks about concerns of job loss from automation and at least in the past automation has actually created more jobs. So I think under current political circumstances, that seems to be something that's unlikely. I'm encouraged, though, about the ongoing discussions about a universal basic income. And I'm encouraged also by developments like what's going on in Sweden. And I hope, I hope that 
in the United States that we come to an understanding that people need jobs and that we should at least be concerned about that, not stopping automation, but to be sensitive to what's happening to human beings. What do you think it's going to take to, to get to that next step? What will, what will change policymakers' minds to actually get them thinking about this? Well, I think probably a change in the political situation is, is uh, really probably going to be necessary. But there certainly are things that we could build on that we already have. So in the U.S., we have something called the Earned Income Tax Credit. And that is a tax credit that people get. It basically was a replacement for welfare that came in under the Clinton administration. It's been quite politically popular, but it's very complicated. And it varies depending on how many children people have. And people have to find their own job. So I think building on that, making it more flexible, and adding a component that actually helps people get jobs. And there was recently a very interesting development So artificial intelligence is being used to match people with jobs. So I think of it sort of like Tinder, but for work. And if it works for romantic relationships, hopefully it would work in the work situation as well. Professor Roberta Mann, I think we're right at the beginning of some very, very interesting public policy debates um, around the taxation system, but around a broader range of issues. So thank you so much for joining us today to, to start to help us to think through some of these issues. Pleasure being with you. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, a fascinating discussion there and many thanks to Roberta Mann for joining us for that podcast. I've still got Sharon with me. Sharon, what did you make of that? Look, there are a lot of very interesting and very important issues that Roberta raised in that conversation. But I think her fundamental point that taxation policy um, and the way we approach taxation is fundamentally important in terms of supporting human beings, creating a society where everyone has an adequate standard of living um, and where we can provide the kind of things that people need to live a good life. And when we think about taxation in that way, I think it's quite clear that into the future, we need to be thinking about how we do tax automation, how we do tax technological developments in a way that um, increases people's well-being. So that fundamental message from Roberta, I think, is really important and perhaps is, is the beginning of a much longer conversation that needs to be had about the future of taxation policy. It does sort of sound as well like people outside of politicians are the ones putting all the hard yards in in terms of thinking about some of these issues. Yeah, I think that's right. And I guess it's always people like Roberta, who we might see as a public intellectual, who initially lead these debates and take us to new places in our thinking. Well, it'll be very interesting to see where it goes. So thanks once again to Roberta for joining us. Before we say goodbye, a quick reminder that we are very interested to get your views on what we've talked about today. You can tweet us at Apps Policy Forum. You can find us on Facebook, where we are Asia Pacific Policy Society. Or you can keep up to date with all of the latest on the public policy challenges facing the Asia-Pacific region at our website, policyforum.net. So until next time, thank you, Sharon, again, for being my pod buddy. Thank you, Martin, and look forward to our next conversation. All right, thanks very much. We'll see you soon. Cheerio. Bye-bye. This episode of Policy Forum Pod was produced in association with our friends at Oztax Policy Blog and the Tax and Transfer Policy Institute at ANU Crawford School. Find out more about them at oztaxpolicy.com. 
The pod was written and produced by Nikki Lovegrove and written about on Policy Forum by me, Maya Bandari. For more great podcasts, go to policyforum.net slash podcast. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.